Oh my god, we're live! That's how it's gonna start. What up, everybody? Oh my god. What Never mind. Never Who mind. I'll, I'll talk about this later. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another IG live series of the Alternative Blacks podcast. I want to give a quick shout out to Oakbrook Brewing Company for being a day one supporter of the podcast. Sorry, you know. When we drink, we don't just drink here, we drunk before. <laughs> when we drink, we don't just drink here, we drunk before. So, no, this is going to be a great episode, guys. Believe it. We're going to be taking a look at sports. More specifically, we're going to take a look at the U.S. Open, but we're going to say sports in general because the title, Open Up, right? <laughs> U.S. Open. Hey, Heather. Uh, U.S. Open. And, but, but also, there's been a lot of conversations around opening up the schools and uh, more specifically, Reading. Uh, area because it's inner city and opening up that to sports again. Oh, way to way to work that in. Right, exactly. So we're we're gonna be talking about a lot of different things. Open up just seems right because you know you got the U.S. closed. Uh, <laughs> got got the U.S. open. <laughs> right, exactly. So that's kind of where this conversation is gonna gonna lead. So why don't we talk about? Uh, oh, also, if you're watching this and you want to come in. Just hit the request button, and we, you know, depending on who you are, we might let you in. Um, but let's talk about the U.S. Open, because right before the U.S. Open, we had a very huge uh, stance be taken in the tennis community with That's, Naomi Osaka. That's right. But before we get into Naomi Osaka... Beer. Beer. I'm always jumping the gun. That's right. So, today we are both drinking... For your viewing pleasure, New Trail Water Wings. And it is, if you put a mirror up to the screen, an American-style Pilsner. New Trail is local to central Pennsylvania. This Pilsner tastes a lot like a lager. Yo, that <laughs> fucking killed me, man. You want to explain that no, one? No, you got this. <laughs> so, saw this, uh, this interesting... Uh, this interesting post where the with the person shut up, Khalil. Let's kick him out. <laughs> are we allowed to ban we, people? Yeah, can we ban people from the chat? He said Cowboys winning the NFC East. My prediction. All right. Over over the football team, Khalil. The football team is going to win it all. The football team's taking it all the way, man. <laughs> but seriously, though, an untapped user had a pilsner, and they said. It was okay. More Pilsner than Lager was was the comment. Something like that, yeah. And I was just like, Pero like, Pilsners are Lagers. Mm -hmm. So that's the fun beer fact of the day. Pilsners, Pilsners are, are Lagers. lagers. <laughs> just for your, uh, your information. Uh, and what makes a, a Pilsner, Tyler? Oh, I have no clue. I think it has something to do with the malts. Usually the maltiness. Anyways. We know things. Yeah. But getting back into the actual conversation with the U.S. Open and talking about just uh, opening up sports in general, I think, you know, right before everything really exploded in terms of Corona, we had the Australian Open. So usually it goes Australian Open, Wimbledon French, or French Wimbledon. It goes Australian French, French Wimbledon, Wimbledon US. U.S. So we literally this year got the beginning and the end of the Grand Slam, like, kind of circuit. 
Uh, so we missed out on Wimbledon. We missed out on France. But the Wimbledon didn't miss out because they fucking banked on this. Yeah. They've had insurance for I don't know how long. And it actually it. paid out. Well, when you have as much money as they do, yeah. you can afford to just bank on something like this. Yeah, it's just like three times, four times the amount. that It was just nuts. Anyways, that's neither here nor there. Um, but So we got to see the Australian Open. Things blew up. Now we're at the U.S. Open. And... Uh, it was just really interesting to know because leading up into this happening, you, we saw these players starting to play again. Um, we saw what Tiafo, we saw Djokovic, both get COVID prior to this, um, and there was multiple other players that had to deal with that illness prior. Right, and Djokovic was admittedly really, really immature well, yes, and, and dumb with the way he handled the way he handled it, which is not. Unlike a lot of people in this country, but hey, whatever floats your boat. Chris, you are a alcoholic, but you're such an alcoholic SM man. It's only what what percentage is this? <laughs> like you, a sound, like <laughs> uh, Heather said, she would like a sound clip of me saying neither here nor there in the in that voice. In that yes, voice. I, I will steal that. It, it has to be a uh, little. Uh, clippy thingy hey kaylee uh happy early birthday but uh so there was the whole bunch of like covid related stuff happening prior to the u.s open happening they, they finally did a bubble sort of like what the nba did and so creating this bubble uh where only the players are there and there's kind of this quarantining thing so it, it's really interesting because as the players lose they get kicked out of the bubble but then you, you, you continue with this thing. So it's really weird to see, like, this empty Arthur Ashe, and especially going there for really my first time last year and, and seeing the difference between the crowds is nuts. Um, but again, leading up to this, you, you had tournaments coming in, and you had the, the issue with George Floyd and Jacob Blake, and you saw how the Milwaukee Bucks handled the situation. And then you had something that was really unseen in the tennis world. And Naomi Osaka came out and said, I'm not playing. Like, it, it's more than just tennis. Like, there, there's more that needs to happen. And as a black woman, I can't be silent on this. And I can't do nothing about this. Which is really interesting because as we've talked about in the past with Naomi Osaka, the way that she's portrayed in the world, her blackness is always downplayed. Mm-hmm. And a perfect example of that was that cartoon uh, mm-hmm. that, that cartoon made from like two years ago from two years ago when Serena be- was uh, when Serena was kicked out of the t- uh, did she finish that match or was she, she I, was, thought she def- I thought she no, defaulted. It would, no because that's part of the conversation later with Djokovic mm-hmm. um, she was defaulted a points and or game. I think it was a whole game. She okay. was defaulted a it, game. It wasn't just a point because she was deduct. She was defaulted a point before that. Right. She to was get defa- the game, and then it was a game. Okay, so again, yeah, yeah. it was it was this whole issue with how she approached this, and then when they did the cartoon dramatization, it showed Williams black yelling, and mm-hmm. then Osaka in the background winning the trophy, white. Yeah, like really white, white blonde hair. Yeah, it was weird. It it was like, is that the same person? So once again, and she's always, she's always, always, and partially it's because she is a Japanese citizen. Okay. That's where you get the last name. 
Yeah, her mother's Japanese. She was born in Japanese. She was born she in was Osaka. Born in, she was born in Japanese, man. Yeah, sure, she, was she was born in Osaka. She was born in Japan. She is a Japanese uh, citizen. Uh, she's not an American citizen, but she she's raised. been living here. She was living here and raised here since she was a child. When it was, since she was right? identified as someone who had the potential to actually be uh, a contender. A contender. I so could have been a contender. She... She thankfully and astonishingly has that perspective, even though she, from such a young age, was groomed to be a professional tennis player, and usually those people don't have normal lives. Yeah. So to see to see the poise and to see the perspective that she's handling these situations with, it's pretty incredible. Yeah. So she originally goes in, in wake of everything and response. I think Milwaukee did it first. Um but she goes, I'm not playing this semifinals match. I'm, I'm just going to, I'm not playing. And after that, the, the tournament, in fact, did pause, delay a game. I think she then played and then won and then still backed the fuck out of it and said, no, I'm like, I'm not playing. And it, it created this whole buzz around the U.S. Open in terms of her because she came in and she didn't back down. She has a mask. That represents a different person that was killed at the hands of police brutality or systemic racism um, within America. Because you have to be honest, like there's Trayvon Martin that's part of the conversation as well. And we'll talk about that potentially in our next episode. And um, it, it's just really important because until Naomi Osaka, like it wasn't at the forefront. Like police brutality wasn't at the forefront. But we have to also remember... Five years ago, James Blake in New York City, with James Blake being who the fuck James Blake is in American tennis, got tackled by an undercover officer out front of a hotel pretty aggressively. Not pretty aggressively. 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 By, by a... You don't get tackled pretty aggressively. Yeah, it was lightly aggressive. Um, but by, by an undercover officer... Uh, forced on the ground, arrested, and it, it took a while until they actually said, one, who the fuck they were, two, was addressed what was happening. But again, it, it's not new. And since that day, James Blake had been very, like, vocal about police brutality. But it took until Naomi Osaka using, leveraging her position within right. the sports because she is arguably the, the face of the future of women's tennis. Right. Once Serena steps steps down and, and retires, because I don't see her physically uh, losing it anytime soon, because she's in ridiculous shape. So until Serena steps down, you know, Naomi Osaka is the future. Once Serena steps down, she is now the new Serena in that sense. Yeah. She is now the dominant force. So she has power there. She knows that if she isn't playing the U.S. Uh, the, or was it the WTA, the women's women's tennis, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, WTA, they're losing money. They're losing money when she's not on the court playing. Now, and I have to argue on this end, and I think you and I have had this conversation. It was still a risk, you know, to to make that bold of a statement because they could just like it was put all their chips into maybe Coco, you know, maybe. She she has a long way to go in order to be that dominant for but but they could have easily said, you know, we you know, uh But that's you're their, being too bold. 
but I think... But it's the genius within Osaka I think to understand it. But to, I am trying to say that there is still... Like, for her to be as brave, it's not just her leveraging power because she understands the position she's in. It could still... There's still a lot of fear attributed to, it, to that because she is that young. And you can even then look back... And I was having this conversation with my mom, too. You can look back at the way that even Serena being as dominant as she was... We've talked about this on the episode. There's they built up the whole Serena legacy against Sharapova. Right. Yeah. So who, who had who had more ad dollars? Who had like when you when you start looking well, Sharapova. at Sharapova. But but that's the thing. It's like there there is a very real threat to making more. But there's a key there's a key difference between Osaka and Serena and I think this is where this is what it comes down to in terms of her leverage is the fact that whether she knows that or not she is still marketed and perceived as non-black oh so she has far more she has far more leverage in that sense than Serena ever did right until Osaka starts saying I am black this is an issue she can say that. But once again, where to like think about logic and then think about the way that things are perceived. People Don't take my logic away from me. People people will people can and will just take logic completely out of it at all times when it's convenient to them. So, do you think one she is making so much money? In Japan, off of oh off yeah, of all that well, stuff. I mean, but they we have to argue because she did also make that move where oh, I guess this was more COVID related. I could be out of my like, I can always be talking out of my ass, really. Um, where she um, decided to, I guess there's this dual citizenship that exists mm-hmm. up until a certain point with being a Japanese person. Um, I don't read. Don't don't quote me. Um, but she did decide not to like take that dual citizenship with the Japan and USA anymore and it was more Japan I think that might have been COVID related so what I was trying to say is bullshit anyways continue wow that's a great argumentative tactic just derail me and now I can't that's right I iced the kicker you (laughs) man man fuck your kicker fuck your kicker exactly no seriously though Naomi Osaka she, she what she's doing is fantastic what she's doing is great my thing my thing is it's it is extremely brave but i'm coming it from it i'm coming at it from the perspective of she she attacked the fact that she has leverage that people that aren't in her position do mm-hmm. and i think part of that is the fact that she is marketed and perceived as non-black because she's only half black. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have to live with she doesn't have to live with being 100% black, being dark skinned, being from America. No, you're right. She doesn't have those challenges ahead. And so she just, has that, that leverage. That's really cool. And she's using it. But here here's here's the other word that we we need to uh to bring up when we're talking about that. She has the privilege. She does. And I, I, I bring this up on different uh, in different shows and different uh, 
circles that I'm in to have this conversation. I, I was working on a documentary a style video with Marquise, and I had to bring up this. I wanted to. I didn't have to. I, I did. I uh, brought up this talking point is we perceive privilege the way that we have been throwing, like that we throw privilege around as a word and how we use it within uh, debates as this negative connotation. The fact remains, no matter what we do, we always are, or at least the way I think about things, we're always working to have certain privileges, to be privileged enough to be in a circle to, to have these conversations. We are privileged enough to have this podcast, to be able to have this platform of IG Live. The, these are the privileges that we have now because we've been equipped with the education to uh, research, to then discuss this intellectually, right? Those are the privileges that we have, that people that have similar ideas as, as us, but aren't able to articulate or form something like this, don't have. So we're able to be that, that voice. That's our privilege. And it's not a bad thing. It's so not. You're, so I, I think you're absolutely right when you say leverage. And, and It's her privilege. And it, it's the greatest privilege. And don't mistake me for saying that as it's a negative thing. Oh, no, no, no. I, I didn't think you were. I just wanted to say because you were saying leverage in this positive light. And I just wanted to say that like po- like leverage and privilege, we're, they're, they're right there with each other. Like oh, you're right. Yeah, leverage no, is a same. good choice of words, yeah. but it is a privilege. It's a privilege. Her and, privilege gives her the leverage. Right. And so to go further, privilege discourses, and it's just sort of shallow, but it's useful to plan some things. No, you're right. Um, I, I wanted to go further with the conversation on, on tennis because we said Osaka's doing these really good things, and she's bringing these masks, and she's bringing this talking point, and we got to see, uh, like, I think it was Brianna Taylor's mom and uh, Ahmaud Arbery's father, like, thank her for this. And that was mm-hmm. really cool. I don't know if you saw those videos, but it was really I hard touching. Videos, but and there's actually right. another video, and I can't find it. I really, uh, if you can find it, anybody out there, send it to me because I want to share it with people. It was early on where they shared. It was uh, Osaka, it was Williams, it was Sloan Stevens, it was Tiafo, it was another white player, and talking about Black Lives Matter. And it was really powerful. It was an Arthur Ashe quote at the end, and I, I legitimately cried. Well, what what Tiafo is is coming out and being outspoken and that's a testament to osaka because he's clearly being Mm -hmm. you know inspired by her but i I wanted to say even further is like there's a reason they ended with that arthur ash quote because we don't give enough um credit to arthur ash for what he did besides break a color barrier not only did he break a color barrier but he was the one that brought coin to the professional athletes because he was an instrumental... Him and Rod Laver... We talk about Rod Laver a lot. When we talk about Arthur Ashe, he was very instrumental of getting pro tennis players paid. Because before, if you were amateur, you got the coin. But you couldn't as a professional. He was Which instrumental... Sounds in, ridiculous. It was like the Jim Thorpe thing. So, he was instrumental in bringing the modern day open era to the beginning. Because... I think Arthur Ashe was dominant, like was pretty big before the open era, but then helped bring the open era to what we know today. So, and then he started winning stuff too. So he won. He was the first African American to win in that capacity. I think the only African American male in the U.S. Open to win, probably. Um, and I think maybe the Australian Open. What, um, yeah, because no, who else? I, I mean exactly. Who else is? So him and Athea Gibson, Athea Gibson were like instrumental in that. But he brought the coin, he brought the conversation, and then not only did he do these things 
on the court, but off the court because he was a big part of the, the apartheid in, in South Africa. He was huge in that. He he was always advocating for uh, equality and civil rights. And if it wasn't for again, when we talk about healthcare and how that affects black people specifically, he contracted the AIDS virus through a blood transfusion. That's crazy. And that's how he died. So not only was his tennis career cut short, but his like world impact was cut short. Um, and I, I think it's just worth noting because there has been these things. Because when we talk about Arthur Ashe, we talk about Worldwood Johnson. Um, we, we often take a look at these things in terms of black athletes that are instrumental in making these changes as Muhammad Ali, as LeBron James, as Michael Jordan, and, and these players... Uh, Roberto Clemente, but we don't take a look at like Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier, but he was an advocate off the field. Absolutely, and that doesn't get discussed, in my opinion. Enough. I think forty two again. Looking at Chadwick Boseman, like you, I think that did a really good job of, of portraying like how how much he cared about stuff off the field and, and his his approach to things too. But uh, we, you have to have these bigger conversations. So what is the U.S. Open doing really? Like, they have these Black Lives Matter, like, things all around. But what are they doing in order to call real social change? Like, their previous uh, president of the USTA was a black woman. I have to look into who the guy is right now because I don't think he's black. The president of the USDA. And not to say he had to be black, but just it, it, it furthers on that conversation of what's actually being done. Like, I know under Katrina William, uh, Katrina Adams, I, I know the different people that were in place in the, like, at least within the middle, middle states district and the eastern Pennsylvania district. There was a lot of initiatives to really focus on the inner city programs and what that looks like. Because when we talk about barriers of entry into these different capacities... Much like when we talk about craft beer, how important it is to start building these things up. Because in, innately, when you start worrying about the most impoverished or the most disenfranchised and you build those areas up, it inadvertently affects everything else. And it can't be a trickle down. It has to be a trickle up. Yeah, tr- trickle, trickle down doesn't work. <laughs> trickle down has never worked. It, it, it can't work. In this system, for sure it can't work because it involves people who have a slice of the pie to give up the slice of the pie, and that's not And who wants less pie? Who wants less pie? Because, let's be honest, pies are great. You know, we got to start making better analogies for this because it's just like, when you talk about pie, who wants less pie? So, like, piece of the cow patty, like, just like cow shit like oh oh cow patty okay yeah. I, see, I see where you're going there yeah, yeah. we have to find a better like a worse word so that people are more likely to divvy it up oh and that actually brings me to a better point because I, I saw someone speak recently on twitter and then, uh, i'm gonna open this up <laughs> open it up yeah uh the conversation was behind you know black wealth and you know um well if you know, this this deal with the NFL, I forget who got this, like, huge contract in the NFL that wasn't a quarterback, but it was the highest paid, like... Uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Hopkins. And I was like, you know, it's so important for black athletes, you know, to, to get this coin, really, because the black wealth behind here opens up 
and becomes leverage in order for this and this and that. And I would almost argue that what the Milwaukee Bucks did was more of an impact on uh, or leverage than it is for someone to get signed for that contract. Because one, we're acting like these athletes are required or need to contribute back into these communities when that's not in fact the case when we're talking mm-hmm. about this as a systemic thing we're, we're talking about oh well look at all these black athletes making millions of dollars why aren't they contributing because they shouldn't fucking have to it shouldn't be on their shoulders Absolutely. and that's the uh that's the, the argument what the milwaukee bucks did and i'm sorry to keep cutting you off what the milwaukee bucks did was they said we're not playing and you know what how big of a financial impact that is on the that's... organization and the nba because then those white leaders within there that the company owners, although these guys are making millions, someone's making millions on top of their millions for the millions that they're owning. You can't give millions out to people without making millions. That right there is the and point. And that's what becomes so more impactful because we're not going to play. A whole organization, a whole team says, fuck you, make a change. And that's like, okay, guys, well, let me get into this area to have this conversation. So it's not about the black person actually getting that contract as much as it is the power that comes within it because of having this voice then later. And that's where I start getting pissed off is it, it's not entertainment should be, should be your only way out. This is why we need to open up because the scholarships available for these athletes are the only way that they're going to get to college. That is, that is fallacy. That is completely bullshit. wrong. It's completely bullshit. And it's a way to keep, uh, in my mind, it's the way to keep black people um, in specifically this lane. in this yeah. lane of you are our entertainment. And that's all I have to say about that. Fucking Forrest Gump. So what I was going to say... Hmm, excuse me. I had a lot of time to think about this. You're welcome. I'm just joshing you. So in that with DeAndre Hopkins and kind of that argument that now he has leverage because he's making more money, you know... He was all he was gonna he was gonna make a lot of money regardless. The fact that he's making this much is fantastic, but the leverage that he's creating is really only for in his profession. Because when you're making money like like even up into millions, when you're making that money, the leverage comes from the people who you're contemporaries with. It comes from your coworkers, quote unquote, right? Right. So if he's going to charge this much for doing this work at such a level, then other people can expect to be compensated for doing similar work. That's the leverage that he gets for doing that. The money that we're talking about that can affect true change has nothing to do with millions. It has everything to do with billions. Yes. Nothing like the person that's paying him the millions, that's the person that could potentially affect change and won't. I think that's such an interesting talking point because that's where we look back at Osaka and her decision to step down from a tournament, which was right before the U.S. Open. Was, again, you talk about the leverage. It was Cincinnati, right? Uh, No. Wasn't it Cincinnati? It might have been. I don't think it was, though. But it was that decision, uh, her leverage, her privilege in order to be able to do so, uh, so much differently than... Oh, I was really excited. Um, I thought it was a listen. Unfortunately not. So much different than, for instance, the Milwaukee Bucks, where it takes a whole team in order to make that decision. Osaka as 
the up the, and coming. The, she is the team, right? For one, she she's the brand. She's, so you already when you, when you look at the U.S. Open, you already had Federer not playing. You had Nadal not playing. You mm-hmm. had Rinka not playing. You mm-hmm. had these huge people not playing just on the men's team. The women's team, like the women's side of the thing, was pretty like stacked. But to have that leverage because everyone wants to tune in to see Osaka play and to see what she's going to say because she kills it in press conferences by being authentic. Mm-hmm. That was that was the power, that was the privilege, that was the leverage, that was the utilization of potential dollars. Or like realizing she could make so much money just by playing, but she could hurt more pockets. And yeah, she would not have the opportunity to make X amount of dollars if she would play because theoretically she would make it to the finals. However, her not making it to the her not even playing and not even potentially getting to the finals, the the way that hurts pockets mm-hmm. is so much different. Yeah, no one wants to like to be completely frank, no one wants to see two no name players in a finals if it was from circumstances other than they beat they beat the competition I mean, when, and when, got there. But I think that's why I wanted to talk about Djokovic too and what happened with Djokovic because that's what's happening in the men's draw is mm-hmm. not no but names. But they don't. But they're not no names. They're they're, they're not no names. But in a sense, they're yeah. None of them have one of one of an they, open. You could so. you could argue that none of them. I hate to say it, not earned them, earned it. They earned it, they, but but, it, but it's a it's like a, what it's, I'm saying. Federer didn't play. Nadal didn't play. You know what it Rarinka is? Rinka didn't play. Djokovic got defaulted. It's it's the. It's uh, gonna be an asterisk here. It's the it, exactly. It's the first heat. It's the first heat championship, which was in a lockout season. It's the first Warriors championship with uh with Kyrie hurt. It you got it, but did it really count? Right. So you'll have the stat, but do as it far again. as as far as the with credit. Like yeah, you, you have to you, do with you credit behind it. You exactly. Like, with it credit. wasn't. It wasn't somebody knocked off Federer, and then you knocked off the guy that knocked off Federer. Federer didn't play, and and to be completely honest, it, it isn't about Federer not playing. It's about Nadal not playing because he's too. He's the more dominant force. Not in hard court though. Not in hard court, but I like, go Federer. but I I know, but like, toe to toe, Fed Nadal, Nadal like, has. Done the work, but look at hardcore. Look at the look at the hardcore record. Okay, so hardcore, even Federer. So we're arguing the same thing though that none of yeah, those either, two were either, there. Either, yeah, exactly. And and that's the, the the talking point. So to to kind of segue from leverage in terms of I'm gonna hurt you in your pockets to the problems again. And I kind of alluded to this earlier with the U.S. Open with how things are portrayed and we talked about the USO uh with, with the Osaka winning the first time and everything mm-hmm. like that and how these rules are ambiguously like put out. So we, yeah. we see how the treatment of Serena is vastly different than Sharapova from tennis in, in general, but even at the US Open and the way that if, if she raises her voice, what happens there. But then to look at this Djokovic thing with him being defaulted for Hitting this ball. Did you see the video? I saw the video. I just I need your thoughts. I think 
by the rule of the game, he's out. He's out. By the rule. He's out. And I think that if you look at it and he didn't hit anyone, he should at least get a warning. But I, other than that, his actions weren't crazy, but he did hit a ball, he knowing hit a, hit a ball? knowing exactly what could happen. I so he's responsible for that. He's responsible, exactly. And I think, again, but in the moment of... In, in the moment of uh, I have seen a player whack a ball in front of them, mm-hmm. hit the chair umpire, and not be defaulted. See, I've never seen that. And I think it was Shapovalov. Oh, really? That's recent. Um, right, that's what I mean. It, but it was on like one of those off-stage courts. So you think it was because of the stage it was, because of the coverage that it's getting, and because of the scrutiny that they'd be under if they didn't exactly. get and, rid of and him. And so I think what it is to me is I, I agree with the decision that was made. I do if too. I felt it was more consistent. And I could be wrong. I could be Do you like, feel look, it's inconsistent? I could be looking at the one time it happened, but it was like somebody somebody like hits the ball up into the, like the crowd or something like that. Like there I, I feel like there's been other times where someone's been upset See, and just like launched it. To me that's different. But but when you look to at me, the, that's when you look at the the like the, the actual wording of its negligence of what could happen. Because when when you're angry, like I I know I have when I've hit a ball angrily, the chances of me mishitting it go up. And but he wasn't just, even looking. I I know he just and I understand. I'm not again. I by the rule, I think it is right. I just have seen people hit it into the crowd. I've seen other things happen where technically, it's the same thing. Well, here here's what I'll say. Say it. I'm sorry, saying, I'm, sorry. I'm saying it. You're, you're not going to intimidate me. I'll reclaim my time, even though Instagram Live won't allow me. <laughs> Thought that was funny. So, my point though is that there is your action and the consequences for that initial action, but then there's also what came of that action. Not not necessarily like the consequences I mean by like repercussions for actually doing the thing, but what did that? What did by uh, by doing the thing? What did you do? What were the events that followed? Right. So I think both are important. Both are important. Yeah, in right. the situation. Is that the so, wording? what's that? No, no, no. I'm not talking about wording. Okay. I'm just talking about lo- like logically. So if there's a little bit of ambiguity in the rule, right? And I'm sure there is, because you're going to leave it up to the discretion of the umpire. So, if someone hit it into the crowd, they're pro- they probably got a warning for it, but they didn't get kicked out. Why? Because you hit a ball up into the crowd, it's losing some of its steam, it, there's, there's not the initial hit yeah. with some arc. It's the same th- what's the difference between that and, hit, say, hitting a foul ball? Right. Besides the intent is the intent, but that is but but it, but you don't get, but, but 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 here's my point on that. Fuck your you point. Do, you do you do still get penalized. You still get a warning, or you get penalized a point or something. But, but that's not how the rule is written out. Well, so how's the rule written? It's basically saying if you hit with negligent, like with, with disregard, with ne- negligent disregard for the outcomes of what could happen. 
you get ejected and forfeit all of your prize money. See, here is why there's gray area in that, and I'll tell you why, right? Because... Fuck you working for the state. <laughs> no, no, fuck you. <laughs> there's gray area in that because you could, in practice, yes. hit a normal shot that's part of the game and still cause... And you can still cause this this yeah, thing yeah, yeah. to happen, right? 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 Yeah. So so when so when Djokovic hit that ball, the negligent intent was he hit it towards people at a pace that could be dangerous for a person at that that's on the court. But again, I if you will, hit I will, the ball I into will, the crowd, you can. But that's, there's gray area. But that's there. exactly what the there's other. Gray area but that's there. the exactly what I'm trying to bring up is the point that when I what I saw, and it could have been a very isolated event, I admit. But what I saw was it happened in a very similar situation where the person hit forward, not backwards, not behind themselves, forward, and the intent was to hit into the crowd, which ended up hitting the umpire, and it not being the same thing, because that's exactly what could happen. Hitting forward and hitting with the intent to go into the crowd still has an opportunity to hit anybody in front of you. Fair. And that is my point. And, and I, again, I admittedly think I am looking at an isolated issue. I think I saw the one time that it wasn't inflicted the same way. I think Djokovic should. And again, I my argument has never been that Djokovic shouldn't, shouldn't have been kicked out. I just wonder about how these things happen because I think about the way that Serena gets treated when she flips out on someone justifiably. Yeah. Um, and the, and as, far as, as far as the, the infamous one now, which yeah. is the Osaka yeah. match um, that won her the, the Open. It didn't win her the Open. She won the Open. It was a contributing factor. Good. Good, good because I don't want to take that away from Osaka. I don't. It's not an asterisk for her. I don't. I don't no, no, believe no, no, that win right. was. That's not. That's, that, not, that's what I right. want to talk you're about right. because, like, when we're talking about the U.S. Open now, this the men's draw is an asterisk. Osaka's win was not an asterisk. No, no, no. She no. was well on her way. No, it it was. The, it, it's the point of that that incident in that moment and how it basically destroyed the kind of the vibe of the match mm -hmm. after that. Even though Osaka won, she was left with this feeling of, did I do it? Right, right. exactly. And, and I think because she's talked about that a couple a times. Like, when you, when you have such a close match, a game can mean the difference. Yeah, it can. So, in the, in, but in that, you know, I think we've talked about it. In that particular instance, as far as not the way the media portrayed it, not the way that the general public portrayed it, just what happened... We think that it happened pretty much on par with how it should have happened in terms in that particular instance, because but her her immediate anger that triggered the incident is built up off of a Years. whole career, Years. decades now of yeah. being mistreated by umpires and judges and the like and the whole tennis community. Right. So, yeah, she flipped out, and she really didn't need to flip out at first. But can you blame her for can being you blame like that? Her? And again, at this point, too, leverage. When we talk about the privilege, like, 
Serena flips out and someone loses a penalty or loses out in this tournament. Yeah, that's a couple, like, millions or whatever you, you fucking get from doing that. But Serena's making bank. Yeah, she, yeah, no, she was fine. Right. Now, as a competitor, obviously, she wanted to win. But she couldn't, she couldn't have done that when she was 16. Right, exactly. Exactly. And, and that's kind of what I was talking about with Osaka. Like, right now, it's like her fearlessness in being outspoken now is so so much greater. Because of her um, position in... Right. She tennis. has leverage and privilege to be able to speak up because they need her. But at the same time, as I tried to say earlier, it could work against her to that point though we have like 20 minutes left i'm glad we were able to talk about all of this and have this point to talk about because we're, we're talking about sports and it's fall it's early it's not even fall technically but it's uh it's the fall season it, it is sports season for the start of a school year today's the first day of the nfl oh for fuck's sake it's like we have to have this quick conversation. It's like 20 minutes for us is not a lot of time. Um, for you. We we need to discuss... We can take it back home. We can take, talk to Reading. Reading earlier on uh, voted 8-1 to one not to have sports. And then most recently, I think like fucking yesterday, decided to vote again, have a special meeting, and it turned out to be like a 5-3 to three vote. That doesn't add up. 8-1... to one, Six to three. Six. Oh, okay. So it wasn't even. It's two flips. Okay. Um, but it, but it, it's that. Comp- oh, it was five to three, because one person wasn't there to vote. Okay. So it still was five to three. Ha ha! I knew, I knew, I had the right number. Anyways, it's that conversation behind. We're in unprecedented time. We're seeing NBA's do bubbles. We've seen MLBs not do a bubble. And we saw how and how that horribly out. that worked out. And these are professional people who have the privilege to not be near people. We've seen Djokovic, who has a privilege not to be near people, and d- decided that it wasn't uh, serious enough in order for him to contract the virus. Um, and I think that's what we need to talk about when we're talking about open up. Like, obviously, it was a play on U.S. Open, open up. Um, but also like, what, what are your thoughts? Like you and I were both high school athletes. Yeah. Um, now this, this decision was, if we're going to be real about the football team. Yeah. Oh yeah. 100%. This wasn't about girls tennis. This wasn't about soccer. This wasn't about field hockey. This wasn't about any of those other golf, like fall sports. This was about football. Does Reading have golf? Yeah, or it did. I don't fucking know anymore. But when we were in school, it was golf. Oh, yeah. That's right. McCullough. That's right. States. What a guy. Yeah. Good guy. Um, <clears throat> no, I I personally, I would hate as a, as a kid if I were in this situation. Of course, as a, as a 17-year-old, 16-year-old, 16 to 18-year-old kid... Of course I'm going to want to play. Yeah. Of course I'm going to want to play. But is it the right move? Like, do I think right now that we should be playing football? No. No. Football, of all things? Like, probably besides wrestling <laughs> would be, like, the worst <laughs> sport for COVID. I, I think wrestling, football, basketball. Yeah, basketball is pretty bad, too. 
And, and we're just being completely honest. And again, because you of, were a football player. We both grew up playing basketball. And I I was a tennis player who not only had the opportunity to go D2, I, I, I like to argue that if given the right resources and having the right amount of um, dedication, I, I could have made a low-tier D1. And I still don't agree with school like sports coming back I, I i could agree with allow golf to play allow tennis to play but i don't think that's right yeah, since we're listening off credentials and shit yeah exactly but i i, I wouldn't think that's right because again uh just at, at logistically if i was a school board member i couldn't think about like one i'm logistically doing this for the best interest of the kids and then two, to be like, turn around and say, you football players can't, because I know how football is perceived and basketball is perceived. Say, you guys can't, but these guys, these can. It just doesn't work out. Now, granted, these guys weren't, like, tennis and all these other sports aren't given the same amount of financial contribution, but we're not even going to go there. So, I digress. Yeah, but, but once again, that's kind of the reasoning why this is being pushed as it is, because... Oh, because spring. Money. Because I was also a baseball player, so... Baseball's probably the big spring sport, oddly enough, because we've never been good, or we haven't been good for a long time. Our freshman year, maybe. Our freshman that was year, a we great were, year. Yeah, our freshman year of baseball? Yeah. Baseball, we were good. We were okay. That was that was the downhill climb for us, baseball. Then we, yeah, then it was a downhill climb when I was playing, of course. And then, and then uh, somewhere in college, they made a playoff run or they attempted yeah. to make a play they got into the playoffs i think it was two years after that might have been kenny's brother yeah i think so like yeah they were they were a pretty good team there but it had like the culture had to change and the culture like it was a weird time with sports and me because there was a regime change my freshman year for both sports mm-hmm. so i got like the new regime of both sports and it just it just never really Wait, who, uh, who just popped up. in? Who just popped in? Raj! So we're, we're going to do a quick sneak peek for next episode. And then it's gone. All right, cool. <laughs> just had to do that for him. A little <laughs> teaser. We'll, we'll call it the teaser for the next episode and what we talk about. So anyways, uh, no, that's exactly right. When, when we're talking about fall sports and we're talking about opening up and we're talking about the... Uh, the liveliness or the like the the thirstiness gusto, the, the gusto thirsty exactly be, be behind opening up these fall sports well we're not talking about all these other ancillary sports we're talking about the big ones we're talking about football and then when we talk about winter we're talking about basketball, basketball. we're, we're not yeah. talking it's, about it's the big three that's really what it comes down to and, and, and that's the conversation that has to be had and, and that's the, the the reality and, and if you're in a school board position if you're in these uh areas of power and judgment that are supposed to be for the betterment of these kids or or for the uh the best interest to say you know well they need this because of xyz or this is what's going to get them college i find is quite honestly bullshit because we're we're looking maybe a year out for for the next wave of stuff so unless you're for some reason, the sophomore that's going to the junior that potentially might miss their junior and then comes back as a senior, that's the only player that I think is actually at risk for missing out on something. Because otherwise, your senior players would have been identified already. 
and everything else. So it, and it's also you got to um, start building out these other programs or figuring out alternatives to do this responsibly. And it one for Pennsylvania specifically, it shouldn't be put onto a school district. That should have been the PIAA, and they should have. Uh, well, the had, PIAA is fucking awful. Right, but they should have had that responsibility, and they didn't. And then. After that, especially with Reading, I, I think there should have been alternatives coming from the uh, athletic department. And I'm not even going to get into the issues that exist within there. But I, I think we are looking, as a nation, we're looking at this as um, how can we return to quote-unquote normal and live with COVID rather than how do we defeat COVID and then adjust to what a new normal needs to look like. And we, we put too much um, value into athletics. We, we we are looking at this in a completely skewed point of view, I, I think. And it, it's just really interesting well, that we're having these conversations because at the end of the day, it should be more about the well-being and putting uh, programs and resources in place for the well-being of everybody rather than it should be about getting a sports team on the field. Right, and, you know, if you think about the headlines regarding COVID over the past, say, two months, it's all America. And remember, originally it was the world. We see all of this as it happened. Originally it was like Italy. And Italy was decimated. But if you look now, all these countries are, like, opening back up, and they're reopening. And why is that? It's because they took the shit seriously originally, and now they're able to adjust accordingly and they're back on their feet. It's almost like they had a leader that didn't downplay <laughs> yeah. the severity of everything. Or actually believed in science. If Trump came out as a flat earther, I wouldn't be surprised. Hot take. <laughs> I think he would do it. I think he does do it. The earth is flat. Oh, you know what? That's been, that's been it. It's, it's the been subliminal messaging the whole time. He's believed it the, the whole, the whole time. time. My eyes are flat. No. The earth is flat. <laughs> the best. It is the best. Uh, but, um, yeah, hot takes. We got like 10 minutes. I, I, I... Hot, hot takes in general or like... Hot takes in general. Um, Rational Anger Podcast... As a story going out right now is, can uh, Drake's child, Adonis, when he grows up, is he allowed to say the N-word? Well, that 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 boy that boy might be albino, because he oh. is pasty. But, but that, that's a great conversation, and like, they brought it up, and I thought, I was like, oh, that's a really good conversation for the podcast, because... Well, do people get pissed off at Logic for saying the N-word? Yes! <laughs> there you go. He's more white-passing than Logic. So... If if you're pissed off at Logic for using the N-word, then you're going to be pissed off at Adonis for using the N-word. But in in Adonis' offense, Drake was trying to hide him from the world. That is true. This isn't Adonis' problem. This is Drake's problem. This is Drake's problem. It's all Drake's problem. It's all Drake. That's our hot take on that. Um, hot true. take, though, U.S. Open is really interesting on the women's draw. The men's draw is going to be cool to see who comes on top, but I'm... So I'm who's ex- left in the in the men's? I know it's Varev, and then the dude who won because of default against Joker. Yeah, but but that that that's what I'm trying to say is whoever wins this year will be fun to see the next tournament where everyone's back. 
and how they do. Right. But yeah. I'm excited for Osaka. Uh, I, I think she has what it takes to go the, the distance. And I want to see every single mask. And I want her to put, uh, continue pushing on the conversation. And I think she completely changed the game. And when we talk about representation, when we talk about these things, we mentioned earlier, Osaka said it and brought up a lot of these conversations. And that's why you see the the pride things popping up. That's why you see the uh, Black Lives Matter things being more prevalent within the, the commentary around um, the U.S. Open and USTA tennis. But she needed James Blake to be where she's at now. James Blake needed Arthur Ashe. Arthur Ashe needed Athea Gibson, you know? Like, there, there's all these uh, building blocks. Yeah, the predecessors, exactly. the people that and built, I, built it. And I think that's where we're at. It's just, like, how do we leverage and how do we continue to go forward? Like, for us, you know, in order to be where we're at today, and we'll talk about this more on the next episode... We needed Mr. Theodore Mack Sr. in order to be sitting where we're at now. Uh, so make sure that you guys pay attention to the episode that I'll be dropping next week. Subscribe to our Patreon so you can get it on Tuesday. Otherwise, I'll be dropping Thursday. But we will be talking about American Gangsters. That's it. That's all you get. We're talking about American Gangsters. Tease. Uh, my, hot, my hot take now that I've had time to think, though, uh, is that no one's really mentioned this yet, but I'm excited for the future of tennis simply for the fact that black people are now, are going to rule tennis in the next five to 10 years. That's my hot take, and here's why. Ready? Who are all the young phenoms coming up right now? First of all, American women's tennis, all black. All black. Because you all have black. Stevens, you have- Coco. Coco, I'm claiming Osaka. Keys. keys, yeah. I mean, and those are the big tennis players right now for the women. Yeah, you can say Rogers, you American can say Brady, women. but they've been besides Rogers they, and Kennan. Well, they, actually, Rogers and Brady have been coming. Kennan's the only one that's non-black that's of that generation. Yeah. Other than that, it's it's dominating. But first. it's dominated by by black women at the moment, which is amazing. Outspoken, uh, powerful black women. To, yes, absolutely. And, and and that's all the Williams sisters. Oh, 100%. 100%. Pat, so then we then we think about men, the men. So who's really coming up as American men? Like, American men Tiafo? sucks. Yeah, the American men suck. And then we have Tiafo, who is very, very promising. So we have to see. He's super young as well. So we'll have to see how, how, he, uh, how he progresses. But there aren't a lot of... American men that are making a splash right now. So, because yeah, you American had Sock, tennis, but Sock, is, but Sock's was, a doubles player. But Sock, I mean, but again, even with like Sock, it was just kind of like he's here. Yeah, he's here. His mental tennis game. Sangre. <laughs> tennis Sangre. Fuck tennis Sangre with his <laughs> racist ass. I had to bring him up, but again, like, that, that's another player that was just like, okay, you've been here for a blimp. There's been a lot of tennis players, like American men's tennis players, that yeah. have been like here for a blimp. Isner, Isner, no, Isner was is like Isner's the only one that and, was post rotic like, and it's literally because of his serve, right? But so outside of that, you have who's the big Canadian player? You have Shapovalov, but you have Felix, you have Felix, who's even younger. So we have Felix now out of Canada. We have, uh, we have 
everyone's favorite player to hate out of Australia. Nick! Nick Kyrgios. Um, we have the tw- those twins out of uh, Oh, wait, but let's talk about Kyrgios real quick. Because yeah. Kyrgios is, the reason they love to hate him is because he is a product of Mofis. He is. I will always argue this. is because Mofis laid the groundwork to be expressive. Ooh, and, and, and Dustin Brown. And Dustin Brown, thank you. They both laid the, the, the groundwork to be expressive, to be Uber fucking athletic as shit. And be stylish and and give a show. And change the game. And then when you look Mm -hmm. at World Team Tennis, when you look at these other, like Rod Laver, when you look at these other, like, cups outside of your general Grand Slams, the game of tennis is changing. Mm -hmm. And it is a direct impact of black American culture. Absolutely. Because when you look at the NBA, I think the NBA had been one of the most dynamic shifts of culture of sports across the board mm-hmm. once you saw how entertaining that was that's when you started in my opinion seeing that's fair baseball becoming more that's fair flared so, because baseball is the only team sport that has the individual star power similar to an individual sport like tennis right so uh and and basketball is now global right. completely global so it, it's now in fact it affecting different uh, different countries besides America. So I think that's a big part of it. But with and then and then I I had mentioned those uh, those two twins out of I think uh, it's like the Netherlands or something. These two black twins I can't remember the freaking names, but they like they were rocking like high tops and, and they were playing double. Yeah, How I, did I miss them. They they were young as hell. Maybe like two. They're probably like in their. Um, in their lower 20s now, like in their younger 20s. Uh, I can't remember their names off the top of my head, but they were they were making some noise. So there's some exciting black players that are coming up. And the trajectory that, that it's on right now, you know, it's not, obviously, it's not going to be something that's completely mixed because mm-hmm. there are, it is a world sport. Yeah. But I think... The dominant, especially women's, the dominant players are going to be black in the very, very near future. So I I think to wrap this up and we'll end it here and and I'll I'll allow you a second to say whatever you need to say, um, is we, we are facing a problem that none of us in our like lifetimes really, or anybody, I don't think there's any generation currently that has faced something so similar to this that we're able to handle this properly or that has all the answers so we're all struggling to do this and i would like to make the argument that it is better to be preventative and it well it's it's better to think long term than it is short term and and to try to solve current issues rather than to to face what is ahead of us and, and try to make the best judgment for lifelong um for a lifelong effect and that's basically where I'm at. So we, we, we call this open up because we're talking about the U.S. Open, but we're talking about opening up sports. And I, I think we just need to, as a nation, do better. And that's controversial, but that's, that's just the reality of what, what we well, live in. It's, it's, it's not controversial in the sense that it doesn't make sense. It's controversial in the sense that the people that are fighting on the other side of it are not using logic. <laughs> And they're using ego and rhetoric and rhetoric that they don't understand where that's coming from. So I think, 
you know, you know, obviously looking out at the rest of the world, we're looking pretty dumb at the moment. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think opening up sports so soon for kids is not the best idea and it's not going to adversely affect them as much as people would have you believe. So thank you for tuning in. Next week we'll be talking about American Gangster. Shout out to Jackie because, ah, where are our beers? We finished our beers. But, uh, Shout out to Jackie for giving us the show topic for next year. Uh, next year. Next, <laughs> next year? That's how much beer we had. Goodbye. <laughs>